pick up a box, tear it right open, look at the cupboard, look away. Bowls? Where we're going, we don't need bowls. Hello, and welcome to the Empty Bowl, a meditative podcast about cereal. My name is Justin McElroy, and I'm a cereal enthusiast. And my name is Dan Goubert, and I am the Cereal Whisperer, coming soon to TLC. Finally. That's what we've all been craving, what we've all been begging for. Um, this is a meditative podcast about cereal, as I've said, um, and that means this, that you are invited to spend a half hour not doing anything, not thinking too hard, not focusing, not obsessing, just thinking about cereal. That's it. You can enjoy both cereal while you listen, or you can not. It's completely your choice. We're going to have some cereal news for you. We have some reviews of cereals. And uh, then we'll have, you know, we'll cut loose <laughs> after that. But uh, I don't want to spend any more time not hearing about new happenings in the world of cereal. So, Dan Goubert, I'm ready. Tell me all the cereal news. Let's dive right in. I mean, did you hear about Loki Charms? Yeah, I, I've now cultivated a sort of social media identity where if anything happens in the world of cereal, especially something with these sorts of explosive ramifications, mm-hmm. uh, I, am, I am alerted to it instantly. And I'm not complaining. I very much appreciate it. It's a great, it's a great time to be on Twitter when new cereal news is in, is, uh, in the news. <laughs> exactly. Um, so obviously Marvel has this new Loki series and... Uh, I feel like this was really inspired by, like, I've seen tons of shirts, like, at mall stands or whatever, of people doing, like, these cereal box parodies and putting Loki on Lucky Charms. It's a very popular one. Uh, so I think the the folks at General Mills decided to just run with that and create this, quote-unquote, mischievously delicious special edition box variant of normal Lucky Charms uh, that puts Lucky in a pretty solid cosplay of Loki himself. It should be noted... Eagle-eared readers will have already picked up on this, but eagle-eared listeners, I should say, Loki sounds like Lucky. Exactly. exactly. That is the thing. And Dan, I am going to tell you, it it took me a little bit. <laughs> as embarrassing as that is, as a professional talking guy, it took me a little bit before I was like, oh, Loki, Loki, Loki. Oh, okay. I'm with it now. Well, that's the trickster god for you. So yeah, I was um, doing his pranks. So, uh, like I was saying, they didn't change anything about this cereal besides the box art, so that's a little bit disappointing that we didn't get any sort of Marbit variants. Uh, But I think sort of the greatest disappointment about Loki Charms is that, unfortunately, by the time you hear this, you don't really have a chance to score any, unfortunately, because this was another one of those super specific exclusive cereal drops like we saw with the Carvel Crunchies and the Lil Yachty Reese's Puffs RC Boat Fiasco uh, that famous incident. Uh, so they only produced 3,500 boxes of Loki charms, and uh, as tends to happen with things like this, it, the, the online debut did not go well. Like I don't, I don't know how so many people can work at a cereal company and not put enough uh, sort of scalper protection on this sort of stuff. Um, but yeah, the boxes kind of <laughs> went really fast. It's uh, it's disappointing. You know, I don't want to be. Um I don't want to be kind of grousing about something that honestly does not exactly. really matter that much in the grand scheme of things. But as somebody who covers cereal and also um, 
like fast food stuff. It is kind of a bummer these days that like in the world of social media, you don't you don't have to do the thing at a scale at which a lot of people can like have fun with it. You just need to do the thing a little bit and then talk about it on social media. Like um, there was a Peeps variant of Pepsi, it was Peepsy. It was like Peeps flavored Pepsi, which sounds so great, except they sold like a wildly small number of them. And it's like, you you didn't actually want to do the thing. You just wanted the credit for doing the thing. And this kind of feels like that, unfortunately, especially with like boxes, who cares? Print a million. Exactly. <laughs> It just seems like, yeah, this is a good way to make 3,500 scalpers happy and then the rest of your fans kind of angry at you. Yeah. Uh, but maybe this is how we'd end up getting an empty bowl cereal in reality. We just have to make it sound so exclusive that no one will ever know whether it actually existed or not. And that's what Gabe's uh, doing over there, right? With his like custom oh, branded yeah, cereals, yeah. just kind of like making some bespoke boxes. Yeah, so empty bowl cereal will be exclusive to... One offshore oil rig whose coordinates <laughs> you can assemble by counting how many times we say cereal in every episode. Yeah. Good you luck. have to send in a bunch of empty bowl cereal box tops. Exactly. Exactly. What's next, Dan? Uh, so this is kind of a blast from the past. Do you remember fruity cereal Kit Kats? Yes. I think vaguely. So this was way back in episode 36 last summer that we discussed a blurry leaked image of fruity cereal Kit Kats and we joked about how announcing something as trivial as a cereal flavored candy bar a year before it's released seemed really unnecessarily preemptive. Uh, But you know, I feel like this approach kind of worked because this popped up on my timeline and like, I don't know, it's like hiding a fruit roll-up or something in the back pages of a long book that you're reading, and it's a pleasant surprise to be reminded that these were actually coming and existed, uh, even though it's also kind of a head rush reminder of time's unceasing passage towards the future. Um, But who needs to worry about that when we have Fruit Loops-inspired rosy pink cream-coated Kit Kats that are hitting stores this month? It's here. We, You know, when we first learned about it, it seemed like it would never arrive, and here we are. But here we are. Mm-hmm. The future Here we are enjoying it. Now. The future is now, and I bet these are going to be really good because Kit Kat kind of has a storied history of having these, you know, very multitudinous but also randomly amazing, weird flavors. Um, and most of the time, it's like Japan exclusive weird Kit Kats. So it is good that these fruity cereal Kit Kats are hitting major retailers across the country, and hopefully, should be easy to find. Did you ever talk about uh, Fruit Loops popsicles? I just saw this at the store, and I didn't remember us ever talking about it. The Fruit Loops ice pops. I feel like we mentioned them at some point, but Fruit Loops has been doing that thing where they just like, you know, they'll slap that toucan on anything, and call it a day. So it can be hard to keep track. Come get your license. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> we're passing them out for uh, those were also in boxes. Fruit Loops. <laughs> um, everybody got the recipe and an unlimited use license. Um, any other happenings in the cereal world? Uh, so it's kind of been slow going for actual retail store new cereals, but uh, we have seen that for this 4th of July, Captain Crunch's red, white, and blue crunch will be returning 
This is something that appears just about every summer, but this time the Cap'n is mixing it up a little bit because instead of just getting red, white, and blue colored Crunchberry spheres, we're getting a box of all Crunchberry stars. Sounds delicious. And Crunchberry stars have appeared in Christmas Crunch before, but they were only a small part of the overall mix. So I'm honestly a little bit worried about what sort of uh, roof of mouth havoc these Crunchberry stars might have because you eat Crunchberries already and, you know, the sheer goodness of them inspires you to eat really quickly and sort of, uh, you know, roughs up your palate a little bit. And, you know, having these little caltrops in the box now seems like a recipe for disaster at a backyard barbecue. Yeah. The one thing uh, Captain Crunch did not need was, like, more texture, more textural opportunities. Yeah. I mean, you even look at the Captain's face on this box. And, I mean... Historically, the captain often does pretty funny faces with stink eyes and awkward smiles, but in this one, he really looks like he just got a five-pointed crunch berry stuck in his throat somewhere. <laughs> so uh, definitely don't forget to drink the milk with this one. Yeah, and if only it was a soothing balm to, to cure yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things we like to do on the Empty Bowl is try new cereals and tell you if they're good or I won't even say bad because even the worst cereal is pretty good you know less than good you really are are transitioning into this first one (laughs) appropriately yeah Uh, Lucky Charms disappointment on this one is painful Dan this one hurt me to read I couldn't even finish it yeah I've got incense burning a cup of tea and like a cat on my lap for this one to try and keep this discussion meditative because Lucky Charms <laughs> Marshmallow Clusters has to be a top disappointment from the past few years of cereal. Um, I'll admit I'm not privy to the actual internal process of cereal development, but having this cereal, yet. which... Yes, you haven't been hired on as a consultant yet. Exactly, exactly. They're probably too afraid that I'll, I'll point out the clear gaps in their oat flour infusion process. Um, but the problem with this one was, we, we've talked about it a few times now, that two years ago, it was first rumored that a Lucky Charms Crispy Rice Clusters cereal was coming out, and it ostensibly seemed like this was going to fill a really big, heart-wrenching void left behind by Rice Krispies Treat cereal, which changed its recipe much so for the worse. Uh, and from what we could see, again, of a very grainy image of Lucky Charms crispy rice clusters, it had that same really good gobbed up toasted rice with a sugary binding uh, element going on. But somewhere over the course of the past two years, the actual consistency and content of what is now called Lucky Charms marshmallow clusters changed dramatically. And now, in addition to, you know, Lucky Charms Marbits, you have these little squarish pieces made of, like, amalgamated grain dots, uh, squared circles, if you will, and they just taste like nothing. Like, there have been plenty of bland cereals over the years, but this one takes the totally unfrosted cake. Really? Uh, not, Not even more so than, like the oat pieces of like frozen and and those that that flock of cereals those ones at least have sort of this density to them right. these are very very light and airy i will say that they're weirdly extremely crunchy if that's what you're into but the f- the flavor is just not there we're we talking like kicks like or i guess they're rice are, are they rice it's rice and corn mixed so okay. i can't really 
tell the the exact blend, but okay. there's something very audible about the way they crunch. Um, but you know, then you have marshmallows as well, and ordinarily marshmallows exist to provide a fun pop of you know normal creamy sweetness to a more interesting cereal base. But here it's like spreading marshmallow fluff on top of white bread. Uh, it just adds nothing to it, and. I don't know, I was really disappointed with this one, so I, I wrote a bit of a scathing review that is uh, far more negative in tone than we will permit on this podcast, but right. I'm already getting a pretty fun narrative progression going on in the comments <laughs> below that post, where people will be like, well, I can't trust your word for it, I'm going to spite by it anyway, and then somebody else will reply and be like, listen, that's what I said too, but trust me, do not do this. <laughs> um, so yeah... Uh, Maybe it's not all bad that something like Loki Charms didn't change anything about the cereal because Lucky Charms has not had a great track record lately with trying to uh, fix what's not broken. So maybe stick yeah. to fancy Marbits for now. Uh, can, can we hope for better from Team Cheerios? Well, with Cheerios, I find that it's hard to actually go wrong because... Again, I'm an oat flower stand at heart, and having this cereal that's basically all about celebrating the potential of oats makes me really love most new Cheerios that come out. Uh, so yeah, that team, was our original tagline for this show, celebrating the potential of oats. Exactly. It hasn't mm-hmm. clicked yet. Yeah, the Oat Bureau did not uh, give their sponsorship like we really hoped. But these team Cheerios, so we introduced these... Uh, as a news story last week, and I kind of erroneously said that they would just be a frosted berry flavor, but they really did put in the effort to make this a Cheerios mashup cereal, much more similar to the original Team Cheerios of the late 90s. So what Team Cheerios does is combine strawberry, blueberry, and frosted Cheerios for an end result that is pretty all right. I think you see with Cheerios a lot where you're either going to get sort of a plainer, more sensible Cheerios variety, or you'll get like the flavor blasted Cheerios that really hit you over the head with the indulgence factor. And Team Cheerios leans closer to the former, which if you go in expecting more of a subtle sweetness, you're probably going to enjoy them. There's a really good balance of strawberry and blueberry, just because those individual Cheerios flavors were already really good. I thought these might be a little bit like very berry Cheerios, but it doesn't have that same raspberry element that those did. And for me at least, I'm not the biggest raspberry fan because I don't like how the sharp raspberry flavor tends to override everything else. So I was really happy with these Team Cheerios because they reminded me a bit of Kellogg's Fruity Snacks, which are you know, probably the undisputed king of fruit snacks right now. Uh, especially since the old Scooby-Doo switcheroo ruined those for me. And, you know, Team Cheerios isn't going to win any world records, so to speak, to talk to the theme, uh, but I think they're still worth a try if you like the constituent parts. It probably could have done without the Frosted Cheerios just because they don't really contribute a lot, but not bad overall, especially compared to the marshmallow cluster Lucky Charms that I had beforehand. It was nice to actually <laughs> it taste. It had the benefit cereal. of following this. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, now, Dan, we're all on the edge of our seat over here. Did you crack the mystery of the mystery Pop-Tarts? Mystery Pop-Tarts. And then just don't tell me they're Fruity Pebble flavored again. I can't take it. <sighs> well, I'm going to need a deeper breath for these ones because we really can't seem to stop talking about borderline unsettling cereal or cereal-adjacent topics today. 
Mystery Pop-Tarts, which are of course mystery flavored Pop-Tarts, are the single most shocking breakfast product I think I have ever tasted in my years covering the genre. If you can Damn, call it a genre. I am on the edge of my seat. What could this be? Okay, so spoiler warning for everyone going forward. We will be revealing the true nature of these mystery Pop-Tarts. Let me walk Do you, you have this on a source or is this just your, based on your own palate? Uh, so I'll get to it. Let me start from the, okay. from the beginning. Because when I first opened the foil, the smell struck me immediately. And all I could think was, no way. They can't do this. But sure enough, yes way. The leading flavor here is very oily, savory, and cheesy. <laughs> no. Dan, no. It is... Getting it out of the way, it's not pleasant really in any way. It's it's fun for like the first couple bites to think about eating like this overloaded cheese Danish basically. But whether you eat it normally toasted or, and I shudder admitting that I tried this frozen, there is no way getting past this sort of smoky patina that covers every part of this Pop-Tart. <laughs> it's like the same thing that wafts out of a gas station hot dog roller. <laughs> What have so, they done? Exactly. My immediate guess when I finished my first one was that it was Cheez-Its flavored. Stop I, for I, a second, and let's drill down on when I finished my first one. There's two different ideas in there that are, I find are pretty challenging. <laughs> what are those? You finished it, and it was your first one, which says to me there could be a second. Well, I had to try them toasted and frozen as well and do my due <laughs> journalistic diligence. And also, like, these come in a pack of 16, a 16-count value pack of cheesy Pop-Tarts. That is a bold decision in the first so place. So many. that you, We actually talked about exactly this, right? About mm -hmm. it's such a big swing to be like, well, I own 16 of these. I hope I like them. Yeah, so I've been giving them away to people and uh, sort of ruining their day with that kind of backhanded gift. Um, but yeah, my immediate guess was Cheez-Its, and I posted my review to social media, and this seemed to be supported because someone told me that 2021 is the 100th anniversary of Cheez-Its, which, by the way, is insane to think about that Jay Gatsby could be serving Cheez-Its at his Roaring Twenty parties. <laughs> um, but... Uh, a week or so later, Kellogg's released the official promo site for this mystery flavor, and they left a whole bunch of very obvious clues to lead you to what the real flavor is supposed to be. Um, and I'm talking, one of the clues was like, this keychain is everything, and then the keychain says bagels. So, uh, if is you that take everything that, bagels? That's... That's what all the clues tend to suggest, and you look at the ingredients, which I probably should have done sooner, and there are like garlic and onion ingredients i think too um so this was supposed to be everything bagel i believe but whatever you call them these pop tarts are scarcely suitable for human consumption and is there upon revisiting it and with that knowledge you know how sometimes that can like change your perception it do, do you get like a cream cheese vibe from it at all is that is it even part of the equation I do Can think you detect that, that I do think the cream cheese starts to make a bit more sense. One, that's what one of my friends noted when I gave them to her. So, I think they got the cream cheese element right. But I don't know. It's just sure you're gonna get some some buzz and some PR around this. But I feel like cheese it would have gotten more. Like that's almost a bigger like 
Yeah, yeah. Everything bagel almost sounds palatable. I don't know. I you know I'm gonna have to like try them as like a stunt. Yeah, they need to like individually Food. release these. I think because that could be more fun as sort of a novelty than really putting in the investment. Yeah, um, but for sure. if you want to know something else really interesting and neat that happened surrounding this story, uh, I mentioned when these first came out also that they were not the first mystery uh, toaster pastry to ever exist because Walmart's Great Value brand released one three years ago now, um, and it was very like generically fruity flavored and. They never announced what the answer was. Oh, right. Was I remember this. Really goofy. But someone who worked on those toaster pastries emailed me, uh, wishing to remain anonymous, but wanted me to know that I can ex- exclusively break the three-year-old news that great value mystery toaster pastries were sugar plum flavored. Sugar plum. Isn't that fascinating? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know why that news never fully broke, but I'm glad I can have that... that uh, distinction on my blog of saying that uh i'm th- i'm thrilled that you got this next one on here because i i have something to contribute uh, dan i think the most underreported story in serial media which i guess is basically you and me and eight other people so like <laughs> we, we definitely uh i think we're doing our part here but um is that heb texas's own he i guess texas i know they're in austin um, HEB has become like the most exciting producer of cereals, developer of cereals in, in the nation. Yeah, I've been thinking about this a lot, especially after trying something like the Lucky Charms marshmallow clusters, which feel like they slipped through the taste testing process accidentally by way mm-hmm. of having no taste in the first place. Um, meanwhile, you can tell that there is someone, it could be several people at HEB who woke up one day and just decided we're going to make the best cereal on earth and we're really going to put our hearts into it. Yeah. We're, we love cereal. We're actually going to do a good job at, you know what? We've never done an interview ever. I would love to find like the person at mm-hmm, HEB mm-hmm. who's like, we're doing Absolutely. it. We're going for it. Yeah. So if you're listening to this and you either are or know the, uh, you know, cereal heroes over at HEB, yeah, the Mavericks, feel free to send us a message at mail at bowl.rest. With the subject line, um, H-E-B-O-M-G, <laughs> sure. Um, but on that note, I got sent three more H-E-B cereals from listener Douglas, uh, and I wanted to run, them, run through them really quickly since even though they aren't strictly speaking new, they each are a testament to just how much love and care is put into the cereal at H-E-B. Uh, so first we have Honey and Nut Cornflakes with Granola. Uh, It it really buries the lead on this one because this is like Honey Bunches of Oats mashed up with Kellogg's Crunchy Nut, which they Mm -hmm. sadly don't make anymore. I don't know if you remember that one at all. Uh, Yeah, I mean, I know of it, but it's been a long time. So that one's unique, and likewise this one is for including actual peanut flavor as compared to peanut butter. Um, But peanuts, in contrast, bring a really great earthen oiliness to any cereal. Um, and I think this was a very smart and simple hybrid of something that works very often in a cereal and something that you don't see as much. So big plus there. Uh, I also got strawberries and cream crispy rice, this, which is these like two, these next two, uh, honestly, mm-hmm. unbelievable. So, so this is like if you took strawberry rice krispies, added real strawberry bits to add some fruit punchiness, and then added. And this is huge. Freeze-dried yogurt pieces, which 
I personally think have the potential to replace Marbits in any marshmallow cereal. Ever. They're better. I mean, they're better. Mm-hmm. And they, they add a creaminess that is such a nice contrast to the tart of the strawberries. Oh, mm-hmm. my gosh. This is safe. Yeah. And they look like something out of like a trampoline park foam pit. They also look very nice. Um, and finally, out of these three is H-E-B Mango Flakes, which are also stellar, stellar, stellar. Unbelievable, these things. And you could tell, like, they have these chunks of, uh, like, the flakes are so vibrant. They've got, like, this huge, they're corn flakes with, like, big orange color, but uh, also just, like, really massive granola clusters. Mm-hmm. Like, you're really, they're powerful things. Yeah, the granola clusters is really what seals it for me here. Uh the only other mango cereal I've had were Trader Joe's Mango O's, and those were very like, yup, this is a mango cereal, but I don't know if I can handle very on-the-nose mango for a whole box's worth. Uh, but H-E-B manages to throw in these granola clusters. There's a way more puckering aftertaste that really just makes this a fun carnival for the senses. It almost reminds me of like a um, the flavor palette you get from like a peach cobbler. Mm. Where it's like that hearty crunch mixed with the tartness of the fruit. Like, obviously, mango is not exactly peach flavor, but you get the idea from that. I think it's that it's that appeal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, H E B cereal, Scott. Y'all, get, if you got an H E B near you, get get over there. H E B Heroes Embracing Breakfast. That's what I'm going <laughs> to say. It stands for. Hey, eat breakfast. <laughs> you don't got to tell me twice. Well, we've told them twice now. We had two great H-E-B acronyms. Uh, hey, uh, we asked you, our beloved listeners, which childhood character do you feel like never got the cereal they deserved? Um, and I, Dan was so bowled over by your responses. He's included four different ones here, which I'm thrilled about. Uh, so let's take a listen to this right now. Hello, Dan and Justin. This is Stina. She, her, from Knoxville, Tennessee. I believe that it is a real loss to my middle school self that my favorite boy band, Hanson, didn't have their own cereal, Mmm Pops. I think the perfect Mmm Pops would have consisted of a three-part harmony of honey cereal pieces as golden as their lustrous hair, flower-shaped marbits in the shape of a daisy or a rose, and freeze-dried strawberries in honor of their home state of Oklahoma. I think it would have been a sweet and delicious cereal perfectly matched to the boys who stole my young heart. Hi, Dan and Justin. This is James from Dallas, Texas. Uh, My favorite childhood figure was LeVar Burton of Reading Rainbow and Star Trek The Next Generation fame. And while a Reading Rainbow cereal kind of makes itself... I envision a Star Trek cereal as visor-shaped corn pieces with warp core-shaped marbits and uh, a golden honey flavor because Jordy LaForge had a gold uniform. Uh, You guys are great. Thanks for your podcast. Hi, Dan and Justin. My name is Brittany. As an emo child, my obsession was with the album Welcome to the Black Parade by My Chemical Romance. I think this would have made a perfect spooky Halloween exclusive cereal with chocolate cereal pieces and perhaps marbits that looked like skeletons and marching drums. This would have made childhood me happy and delights present day me thinking about it. 
thanks. Hi, Dan and Justin. This is Tess, and my childhood icon serial would be based on Mr. Mistopheles from the musical Cats, which I loved growing up. Mr. Mistopheles has a rainbow that comes out of a mug, which would be a great little marshmallow, as well as cats sleeping and cats dancing. I don't know how it would be flavored. My cat lives Benito Flakes, so maybe you could flavor it like that and then just have it be a cereal for cats. I don't know. Anyway, I love the show. Thank you so much. I love that um <laughs> I love that Tess is like I got an idea it's a it's a cats based cereal. No, wait. It's a cereal about one character and cats. No, wait. It's a cereal for cats. And they got like Tess has got like full galaxy brain by the end of this answer. It's like actually I've changed the entire game. Enjoy. I flipped the entire thing on its head. Now there's cereal for cats. I'm out. That's, that's, I bet, what the boardrooms at HEB sound like when they're making new cereals. They just let people embrace their wildest <laughs> dreams and see where it lands. Oh, my gosh. Um, so, uh, we, we, you know, it's, we talked about getting sent links um, when, when cerealism is in the news. And John Oliver uh, got, on, got on cereals case um, for uh, lacking innovation. And um, I, not enough research probably went into the piece, but Dan, I would like to get your thoughts on it. You know, it's like, obviously he went into this with a very negative attitude. He has not listened to our podcast. Um, just because I don't see how you can look at some of the serials that came out in the past few years and say that they're not pushing the innovative envelope at all. Like, Like within the time that you and I have been doing this, there's been chicken and waffle cereal yeah. like that's happened within the confines of this program yeah sour patch kids cereal Come south on. korean green onion checks it's just been very out there with sort of the rush to see what can happen next and i know it's not cereal but like everything bagel pop tarts seems pretty up there also so i'm not really sure what his standards are for innovation in the cereal game but there was one story that caught my eye that didn't seem to fit into our normal news segment that i thought was a really interesting example of cereal innovation that is occurring right now, and that is, have you seen the Kellogg's cereal vending machine? That no, they're slowly this is the rolling first time hearing about it. So it's kind of along the same lines as a Coca-Cola freestyle machine in that this is uh, a smart robotic cereal vending machine that is capable of creating you a custom bowl using 22 different ingredient options, including milk or yogurt as a base. Uh, it's developed by a company called Chowmatics, who also made something called a bowl bot that did the same thing for salad mixing. And, you know, naturally, the evolution from a salad robot to a cereal robot just shows uh, how close to humanizing machines we are getting. Um, but this is hot also off of the cold cereal heels of Kellogg's new mashup of Frosted Flakes and Apple Jacks, which uh, I should have noted earlier as well, they are holding a, uh, a fan voting poll for what the next Kellogg's mashup will be. 
Um, but unfortunately, everything in that involves Frosted Flakes and something else. So I'm a bit more excited. I get a real sense from the mashup thing that they're like, we have to move a lot of Frosted Flakes. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. We, have, we have made too many and we don't know what to do about it. Yeah, get Shaq on the line. We've got a lot of Frosted Flakes to get rid of. Um, but the contents of this cereal vending machine seem way more innovative to me because uh, they listed a couple of the possible pre-mixed bowls that you can order. There's one called About Last Night that mixes Frosted Flakes, Fruit Loops, and Crave with chocolate drops, banana chips, and espresso syrup. Uh, there's also Hawaii Five O that blends Frosted Mini Wheats and Bare Naked Triple Berry Granola with coconut, mango, and pineapple. And like, I don't know, my own custom cereal robot seems like a very good example of cereal innovation to me. Um, no kidding. Yeah, but unfortunately for now, they're only testing the rollout of this cereal vending machine at Florida State University and the University of Wisconsin-Madison, which is honestly kind of genius if you want to get some uh, you know, good use data on how this thing goes because no one's going to use it like college students are. That's what um, Pizza Hut did that with, when they rolled out their delivery program. They started, uh, they started by setting up outside college campuses. Yeah, I have to wonder, though, too, if this was specifically designed for college students to keep them from going to the dining halls and filling up Tupperwares and backpacks from those big, like, circuit breaker-handled cereal dispensers, because uh, <laughs> I know that's how I spent my college years. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, John Oliver, I hope you're listening. There's a lot happening out here, John. Join us. Um, thank you so much for listening to this program. Uh, I don't have a prompt for this week. Do you have anything you want to ask people? Uh, I've got an idea. Yeah. If there were to be an empty bowl cereal, what would you imagine that tasting like based on your experience <laughs> listening to the show? Maybe we've asked that before. I don't know. But no, I don't think we have. Pretend I that I did. It's very abstract. Um, thank you. If you want to answer that, go to bowl.rest and you'll find a little button that says leave a message and you can plug a mic into your camera or, or into your computer or just answer. It's fine. Whatever you want to do. Um, we are on your phone, you know, whatever, whatever works. Um, thank you for, uh, uh, listening. If you would like to take the next step with this program, if you got something out of it, you can go to bowl.rest and pledge some money. That will be deducted from your account monthly. Uh, that's a weird way of saying <laughs> it will be. De- it will be removed from your balance. And that's uh, how the cereal vending machine would phrase it. Yeah, uh, you can support us at the levels of like ninety nine cents up to I think nine ninety nine a month, and half of that goes to keep net running. That's Dan's website, by the way, and uh, the other half goes to uh, a shelter for people experiencing homelessness in my area. So we very much appreciate your support there. Uh, you can also, you know, if you don't want to do the money thing, you can share the show around, spread the link, whatever you want to do. It, you know, it all helps. It's all good stuff. This is our, I think, 52nd episode. Is that right, Dan? Mm-hmm. That's like if if, this is weekly. Exactly. This exactly. Our first year. Yeah, it's only been three years. <laughs> so something. Um, so thanks for your support. Thanks for hanging out with us. We we super appreciate it. Um, anything else, Dan? What else am I forgetting? Uh, We'd like to thank Chris Zabriskie for his opening theme of The Sun is scheduled to come out tomorrow, Bria Davis for our podcast art and branding, as well as Samuel Rowden for uh, designing our new empty bowl enamel pins, which I finally got the other day, and I'm excited to be a guy who wears his own tiny enamel face on his backpack. You'll get used to it, I promise. (laughs) Uh, That's going to do it for us. 
so until next time, for Dan Gabert, I'm Justin McElroy. And as I always say in my perfect impersonation of Dan Gabert, don't forget to drink the milk. <coughs> Sorry. Oh, I you got nailed it, dude. Through that. Thank you. Yeah, thanks. <laughs>